welcome to this week's Hong Kong Heritage. Well, this week we mark the end of an era. On October the 4th, Um Sai Ming passed away. He was born in 1922 and, after the death of Peter Choi a few weeks ago, was the last known veteran from the Second World War here. So I'll be starting the programme by marking his passing. Later in the programme, keeping with the Second World War theme, I'll be talking to antiquarian dealer Jonathan Wattis, who searched out for me some photographs, maps and articles from the Illustrated London News from that era in Hong Kong and the region. But first, Um Sai Ming, who died earlier this month, was born in the village of Sha Po and was the 26th generation of the Um clan in Na Chin Wai, a walled village in Kowloon City that was only recently redeveloped. Albert Lam Ping Wai, chairman of the Hong Kong Ex-Servicemen's Association, knew both Um Sai Ming and Peter Choi, who both joined the Royal Artillery in the British Army to train as gunners here in the run-up to the Japanese military invasion in December 1941. Um Sai Ming, born in 1922, so he is same age as Peter Choi. And they have a lot of things in common because... They also joined the uh, Royal Artillery together in early October 1941. They, basically, they are in the same intake. So they were in the British Army? In the British Army. And together, they uh, under uh, Royal Artillery uh, training and learned to be a gunner. 1940-41, in those years, Hong Kong fell the flat from the mainland, because mainland already occupied by the Japanese. So Hong Kong actually built a lot of the anti-aircraft gun position. Sadly, the war in Europe started two years before Hong Kong. So when Hong Kong built all these gun positions, they could not post enough British soldiers to Hong Kong to man those gun positions. So they feel there's a need to train local. And Nsai Meng's intake, total 150 people all trained to be gunner. And most of them actually underwent anti-aircraft skills. And then you can imagine. I mean, we never, in the, in the Hong Kong military service corps history, never have such a big intake and never have all the recruits that undertrain one skill because we all learn, try to post to different units, you know? So Nsai Ming, unfortunately, only halfway of the, of the training, on the 8th of December, the Japanese crossed the borderline, invaded Hong Kong. So his platoon commander just told him, all right, boys, now you have to learn, just like Peter, you have, you have to learn rest of the gunnery skill at oh, your new post. Because wow. he was only 19 years old or 18 19 or 19 years old. Years. And he was, the Japanese came across the border in the morning of the A and he was posted to a gun battery, anti-aircraft battery, at a place called Brick Hill. Brick Hill today is behind the Ocean Park in south of Hong Kong. And then when he well, as a new recruit, so he posed to a, a battery. So his battery commander just put him, okay, now you go and, and man that search light. Because in all the gun positions, they also attach with a, a set of search lights. So just in case if, if there's enemy plane come in the darkness, so they will use the search light to, to search them and then help the gunner to aim at those uh, uh, flying objects. Yes. So the battle went on on the 25th, which is the day of the surrender. The battery commander, Ng Sai Ming told me, is, is a, a captain called Bata. 
Captain Bata. Unfortunately, he died in the uh, in the prisoner of war camp. A young man, only something like 30 years old. One year when I was in Taiwan military cemetery, he took me to Captain Bata's headstone and said, "Well, this uh, my boss, battery commander." In a, at about midday, he received the surrender order on the 25th, midday 25th December. So he received that, that uh, surrender order, and he knew the Japanese are coming to receive the surrender. So he tell Ng Sai Meng and the rest of the Chinese, all right, boys, you can go, because you change to your plain clothes, off you go. Your duty is so far now. And so only the Indian and, and the British soldier remain in the, in the gun position to wait for uh, the, the Japanese to come. Ng Sai Meng never been a prisoner of, of war. He, he was uh, lucky on that, so he was uh, released. And he, actually his hometown, it, the, you know the Kowloon War City? Yes. Right. So he inside there, in those days, there's still some farmland. His house owned a small piece of, of farmland there. So he just went back home and then uh, with the family, be a farmer. And he was lucky because you have, you have some land to farm and then you... You got some food. Yeah, you got some... <laughs> you have uh, not some, so much problem as, as uh, those in the city. So he's uh, at Kowloon City inside. It was interesting. He said the, the Japanese basically also don't bother them too much. And they seldom come into the uh, war city. Yes. Uh, just like, you know, the, the Brit in those days also, unless there's trouble, the police officer, police constable also don't get inside. Where they <laughs> that, not that often. And then and when the war is over, and uh, there's a call for people to come back. So he went back, spent two more years with the army, and then he was demobilized. Yeah. And then he went and joined the police, oh, Hong okay. Kong police. Right. And he, he, he worked for the, later on, the Royal Hong Kong police until uh, he retired in the 70s. Right. Uh, right. So he, if you look at his uh, medal, he have a four war medal and a, a police long service medal. So what were his war medals then? His war medal, the former war medal, basically all those who fought in the battle, in the battle for Hong Kong, qualified for four battles, which is the 3945 Star, the Pacific Star, and also the Defense Medal and the Victory Medal. Those who survive will have the uh, Victory Medal. They see the day of the victory, because... Yes. Yeah. So we decided to organize something for him on the 30th uh, of uh, this month, the family has organized a hall in uh, International Funeral Para, and in the following morning, we, uh, we will have uh, a military uh, funeral arranged for our last war veteran. Oh wow! So that's yeah. on the that's on the October the thirty-first. Correct, Saturday. Yes. Will be a military it, funeral. Yes. If you want to come, I'd or anyone come, want yes. to come, welcome. If anyone want to come, they must arrive before uh, 9.15. Before, I mean, uh, uh, not after. Yes. Uh, at the ground floor of the International uh, Funeral Prara in Hong Kong. Yes. I will be there, and Brigadier Hammerberg will be there, the chairman of the Royal British Region will be there, plus a few of his comrades will be there. Yes. To, to pay our last respect. Can you tell me what Um Sai Ming was like? What was his character? 
He's a humble gentleman. He very quiet. Both he, Um Sai Ming, and Peter Choi both had seven children. Yes, correct. <laughs> it's a coincidence. Yeah, big yeah, families. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So they, yeah. but they, they knew one another. It, uh, presumably, when they both, they both joined up at the same time. So they, they knew one another during their service in the defence of Hong Kong. Yes. Yes. Uh, and also, uh, about some 15 years ago, I saw them both quite active uh, in the World War II Veteran Association activities. Sadly, Ng Sai Ming to us, really, he marks, he marked at the end of an era. You agree? Well, yes, he's the last, yeah, definitely. isn't he? Definitely. Uh, mm. So out of him, sadly, no more World War II soldiers. I mean, uh, I mean Hong Kong uh, World War II My thanks to Albert Lam Pingwai, chairman of the Hong Kong Ex-Servicemen's Association. So just to repeat those details again, if you'd like to attend the military funeral of Hong Kong's last known Second World War veteran, Um Sai Ming, please come before 9.15am on Saturday, October the 30th to the ground floor of the International Funeral Parlour in Hung Hum. Well, in keeping with the Second World War theme, I now head to What is Fine Art on the corner of Hollywood Road and Old Bailey Street to talk with antiquarian dealer Jonathan Wattis. I asked Jonathan to find some maps, photographs and other ephemera that were about the Second World War in Hong Kong and Southeast Asia, which he's done. And some I found somehow surprising, despite the fact that I work as a journalist myself. There was a large photo story in a magazine about the Canadian troops arriving here ahead of the Japanese military invasion. And I guess previously I'd never thought about that as a news event, just everyone getting ready for the tragic Battle of Hong Kong in December 1941, with Hong Kong surrender 17 days later on December the 25th, and the subsequent three years and eight months of occupation. Jonathan also found a map of prisoner of war camps throughout Southeast Asia, which relatives back in the soldiers' and other internees' home countries could buy to understand where their families were imprisoned and to sometimes send them food and aid packages. So let's see what Jonathan found. Well, this 
photograph was done in 1941, probably about within a month or two of the invasion of Hong Kong. And we see a fleet in the harbour in the distance, and in the, in the foreground are two American sailors who are standing probably up the Old Peak Road, looking down onto Central. You can see the cathedral and the cricket pitch, Tamar, with Tamar inside, just visible. And the view goes all the way out to east, to Devil's Peak and beyond North Point. And it's an interesting photograph because it's a press photograph published in Fleet Street, Copyright Planet News. And the report that was, was at the time was, uh, it's a bit dated, uh, it says the Japanese say they are blockading Hong Kong. Hong Kong has had two air raids, in one of which the Japanese are reported to have dropped leaflets urging the Chinese to attack the British. In the second, bombs were dropped. A Tokyo broadcast claims the Japanese Navy is blockading Hong Kong. So this is quite an interesting picture because it literally is just about to happen, the invasion. And uh, it's showing in the harbour this very strong fleet which by the time the invasion happened were no longer there. I know at certain times the fleet was moved around and I also know that there were you know, ships came in to drop the Canadian regiments in October but this is quite an interesting piece of history of that period. Absolutely. I always find when I see the people of that time and it can be a tourist shot or it could be a wedding or anything and you kind of you can't help yourself wondering did they make it through what happened to them? But yes, so we've got the backs of the heads of these two sailors uh, looking down. Super photograph from, as you say, from Fleet Street. And you can really see over to the other side, to, to Kowloon. Absolutely can, yes. So it's a very clear photograph for its time. But um, I imagine it was syndicated and sent around the world and, and, and showed quite a Hong Kong being quite strong, I suppose, with all those ships in the harbour. Yes, temporarily. So that was a Fleet Street photograph. And uh, this is the Fortress of Hong Kong, a relief map of the territories. This is um, a copy of the Illustrated London News, which I believe was a weekly magazine at the time, and this was published in December 27th, 1941. I think the time lag was probably about a week for it being published, so it's probably reporting around about the 20th of December. So this is a, a, a rather interesting map because it's like from a bird's eye view looking down on the whole Hong Kong territory and it's almost a three-dimensional take on the whole Hong Kong area and with, within it you've got Lantau, Lama Island, Hong Kong Island, Kowloon, New Territories, the border, the Kowloon Canton Railway and roads and it's really depicting Hong Kong quite well for the time so that if someone is sitting in London they can see this whole area that is the Hong Kong Territory and so this news report comes out just after the invasion has started and the, the map is interesting but if you turn over the other side on the reverse are a series of, well, they're sepia photographs here and include the arrival of the substantial reinforcements of Canadians in Hong Kong on November the 16th was more than a welcome sight to thousands of Chinese and Britons to whom their coming was unexpected. And so it goes on and there's a series of uh, photographs here of yeah. just before. So lots of men in uniform with shorts and long socks. And uh, this is the Canadians Reach Hong Kong, Scenes of Arrival and in Camp. And that's in the Illustrated London News. And it's uh, from December the 27th, 1941. So, of course, the publication date of this uh, is then two days after the Hong Kong surrender on uh, the December the 25th. But, uh, yeah, interesting detail. And as I say, to see what are really news photographs of, of the Canadians, and you can see them marching through 
Kowloon on their way to camp. So that's quite a news event and people are out there watching these, these men come through. And very young men too. And then, well, the, the next uh, item that I found was a complete illustrated London news from Saturday, January the 3rd, 1942. And this, the whole 32 pages, apart from a few adverts, is, is all relates to the Second World War. And in it is one page, on page 9, which is entitled Hong Kong's Heroic Resistance in Face of Heavy Odds and Hong Kong's Fall, Official Diary. And then it gives a chronological diary about the fall of Hong Kong in the text. And it also has a panorama of, of uh, Hong Kong from the harbour and indeed a, a map of Hong Kong in set inside the story. So this is an interesting story because it is talking about you know, the last resistance and, and how it fell on the 25th of December. So this is the uh, Illustrated London News, which I've always thought of as a 19th century publication. And yet here we are reporting on World War Two, and this is again the Illustrated London News. And so did it come out always as a kind of magazine? Yes, it's, it started, I think the first edition was in uh, 1842. So it started more or less the same time that Hong Kong became a colony. So a lot of the stories that are about Hong Kong are, are fascinating because you find information there that you might not find in other sources. And then also their artists came and they depicted Hong Kong and also artists that lived here depicted Hong Kong. So their coverage was quite good and it went to many years. And I remember even in the 80s, the late 80s, on Paddington Station buying uh, uh, an illustrated London news. Yeah, so it had a long, long run. So this is after the surrender and, uh, you know, we're going into January 1942 and of course then, you know, you've got uh, the prisoner of war camps and three years and eight months of occupation. Yes, and uh, here among my ephemera file or our ephemera file is a fascinating map. It is called the British Prisoner of War Relatives Association and it is a map of the Far East and it shows all the prisoner of war camps in East Asia and it lists them. So in Hong Kong they list the various ones, Argyle Street Camp, Bowen Road Hospital, French Hospital, Shamshui Po and Stanley Camp and then they do the same with Singapore and they do the same with Shanghai and also the various camps within Japan which were mainly military but there were also some civilian ones but it does show the ones in China the Philippines and Southeast Asia. So it was probably published as a broadsheet, which means it was just published as a sheet of paper on its own and in the bottom right hand corner we have price tuppence by post threepence. So you, if you uh, uh, wanted to get hold of this, you probably um, wrote to them and their address here is 27A Pembridge Villas, West 11, which is just by Notting Hill. And uh, they would probably send it to you in the post so you could get information. Yeah, very interesting. So it was actually a way for relatives to, to find out where their, possibly some of their relatives, either soldiers who'd fought or otherwise relatives who might previously have lived in these areas that have then been conquered by the Japanese military and where they were actually incarcerated during the war. So they probably could then sort of look at this map and have a sort of an idea of where their relatives were. Is that, that was the, so the, or it was actually put out by this British, British Prisoners of War Relatives Association or sold by them. Uh, yeah, really interesting. So, and I think they were probably involved as, as an organisation with sending food parcels as well. Yeah. So a lot of British women, ladies, were involved with uh, putting packet, you know, relief packages to people because they really didn't have much. So it was quite an, an interesting organisation, I believe. Um, and also within the map, 
it may be that it, they didn't have absolutely everything because there seemed to be in manuscript four or five names added, particularly in Taiwan there were three names. So whether those were further uh, camps it may be, but I haven't actually researched that. Yeah. Interesting. And where did you pick that one up from? That's a very good question, and it's quite likely in an ephemera fair because that's, that's a fair I enjoy going to. I mean, there are all these different fairs. I mean, I go to art fairs and I go to painting, which have paintings, and then print fairs and photograph fairs and map fairs, but there are also ephemera fairs, and I like ephemera because you go down, get down dirty in lots of pieces of paper, and if you look through 3,000 pieces, you might find three of interest. But, you know, that, that's where you find something like this, and those are very interesting, you know, uh, subsection of the antique world yeah yes yes <clears throat> yes is it sort of the bric-a-brac it's the bric-a-brac but uh, but sometimes <laughs> you you find a pearl <laughs> oh good stuff you know, maps take various forms and in this case someone is writing a history and these appeared in a book on um, a history of the war and uh, the occupation of Singapore. It was written in 1957 by various military people who were obviously been involved in one way or another or were doing research on it. But it, So these are historical context maps published, if you like, um, 15 years or 17 years after the event. And, and they show things like the first one, map number three, shows Hong Kong mainland 8th to the 13th of December 1941. And it shows original company positions on morning 8th of December, you know, adjusted Royal Scots positions on left flank 10th of December, uh, Mao Lao Tong position, Haiwan position, gun positions, Shinmung Ridout, the Punjabi positions, uh, the Rajputs, the, the Royal Scots, and the enemy lines of advances. So, so it is basically covers from the new territories through the defence patterns and then down to Kowloon and then Hong Kong. So this is sort of, if you like, early days of the invasion where they were well placed for defences or not so well placed as the case turned out. And then another map we get here is is map for Hong Kong Island and this shows approximate position of British troops at the time of surrender 25th of December and it shows approximate position reached by Japanese on dates given so at any point on the map of Hong Kong Island it shows with lines and, and dotted lines where the fronts were and where they were uh, moving the, the soldiers were moving or approaching the direction of Japanese attack and number of infantry and regiments involved. So this, this is an information map which gives you a lot to look at and I'm sure it's written up in the text as well. So I only bought the maps separately from a map dealer because I found them fascinating yeah, yeah. from a Second World War point of view. But uh, I think I've shown one, one, one of these maps to a, an expert and he said, well, that's not right, but there we are. You know, so we can debate it. So, <laughs> so I'm sure there will be errors within it, but uh, it is interesting. Um, particularly for the layman like me on this particular subject. Yes. Now for the next one, we're back to the Illustrated London News, and this is from May the 11th, 1946, and it's the most amazing. Is this a lithograph, or what's it? Well, it would have been probably printed as a lithograph, yeah. but it's based on a watercolour or drawing by Lieutenant James Morris of the Royal Navy, official naval war artist in the British Pacific Fleet. Um, and this is probably showing... Hong Kong, late 45, late in 45, and it has all sorts of interesting things. It has the fleet in, in the harbour. Which fleet? So it has the British fleet in the harbour, and it shows the wreck of HMS Tamar. But what it has at the top of the right-hand corner, it has the unfinished Japanese war memorial, which I think didn't last much longer before it was uh, 
taken down. What have been put up by the Japanese? Have been put up by the Japanese. Mm, well, yes. Remember, they're dead. Yes, but it's it's a panorama of Hong Kong, and it's showing Hong Kong at the end of 1945. Um, and on, the, as I say, on the the bottom left hand, which is one side, and you can see Marble Hall which was to Paul Chase's house when he was alive. He'd obviously gone by that time. But, he, you know, it, it, and then on the other side, the furthest part, on the other side is the Japanese War Memorial. And then you've got the whole sweep of, of the harbour and you've got all the houses in Central and Wan Chai going out to North Point. And in the distance, you can see Kowloon. And, um, yeah, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fascinating. I'd love to have seen the original of this because even though the print is very interesting, the original would be that much yeah. more interesting. It's a massive detail. It. I mean, it's, it's every single detail. detail. You've got all the different buildings. Well, and all their windows. Yeah. Just imagine how long it took to do the windows. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> patient man. Very patient man. Well, here you've also got a much bigger map. This also shows Hong Kong and New Territory, Victoria Harbour. And uh, this was done when? This is an Ordnance Survey map. It is plotted by the Geographical Section General Staff, uh, originally done in 1930 and corrected to 1939. And then it was updated and photolithographed by Ordnance Survey in 1945. And I think this was updated in March 1945, so this is during the war. And this is the third edition. So this would be in March 1945, one of the most uh, up-to-date maps available to either the military or the civilians, although it doesn't show much of military interest. I mean, it does show the actual city, and it shows the, the harbour, and it shows Kowloon. So, so this is... This is a, a very attractive map with lots of details. So you've got, you know, the Chim Sa Choi with the Kowloon station and the railway going up to Canton. Well, it goes up to... The, the map probably ends at around Ban Boundary Street. Also, the Hong Kong side of it is very detailed um, and goes around to Aberdeen Harbour on one side. And on the other side, you're going around to Dai Long Wan, the big wave bay, which is near um, Sheko on the east side, Titan Reservoirs in the middle, and uh, the various Mount Parker. This, this is an interesting map, and also, you know, in terms of the invasion, you've got the side of Leiu Mun, and you've got Devil's Peak, and you have Shaokiwan. And the uh, idea of this was for whom? The original map would have been done by military, but it would have been done for civilian purposes. Right. So th this is basically a civilian map but it is the most up-to-date of the mm -hmm. Ordnance Survey maps. I mean, if it was military, they may well then have superimposed those Japanese positions at that time yes, because yes. those would have been objectives, wouldn't they? So, yeah. But this one doesn't show uh, necessarily military sites. So if you, uh, I've also had maps from the Second World War of charts. So I show you hydrographic charts, which were produced by the Navy. And with them, they very often would include the wrecks which maybe had been uh, caused at, at the time of the, the war uh, in the harbour because there are also obstacles to shipping. So, so you, you get those produced in 44 and 45 as well. Then I've, I've had specific military ones which showed in detail, uh, more detail. So, so some show more than others, you know. It's, uh, and also sometimes with these, with these ordnance maps, when, when, when they are done, you, you get square squaring which, which is often for reference for um, gunners and things, okay. for distances. Okay. So, so there are all other elements that get imposed onto maps um, that you learn about over the years that uh, make them more military, yes. My thanks to Jonathan Wattis of Wattis Fine Art, who's always happy to help with my Hong Kong history requests. Thanks for listening and join me next week on Hong Kong Heritage. <laughs>